Alhamdulillah, we are here together uh, to gather for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises to, to love those who love one another for Allah's sake. Uh, and those who sit with one another for Allah's sake. And those who get to know one another, uh, who come from different backgrounds but sit together as one, uh, as one body, as we are believers, uh, for Allah's sake. So that's the intention. Um, also, we come to the gatherings of knowledge. The Prophet وسلم, uh, said that uh, I, uh, that I am the distributor. I am the one who is going to distribute. The ilm, the knowledge comes through the Prophet وسلم, through the angel Jibreel um, and that's where we're going to get the knowledge from the Prophet But who gives the knowledge is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So. Um, having that connection with the Prophet ﷺ for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seeking knowledge, the Prophet ﷺ, he came, he saw two gatherings uh, of dhikr, remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the gathering of seeking knowledge. And the Prophet ﷺ said that uh, both are great, but I am, uh, I am the one who, who, sent, who was sent as a teacher. Uh, and he sat with the people seeking knowledge. So mashallah, this is a gathering of both. You have a gathering of dhikr, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by yourself. And sometimes you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a gathering. And all of that is good. There's all khayr in that. And seeking knowledge is also part of it. So you can make multiple intentions. Make intentions of meeting your brother, meeting your sister. Uh, um, multiple intentions you can make for one action, right? Uh, you have to buy one, get one free. Buy one, get three free or buy one and get multiples free. So this is, the, uh, this is our tradition that we can make multiple intentions and that's why scholars have written also books on just intentions, Kitabul Niyat, right? Um, so I came here to mashallah to seek knowledge, to see if I can meet uh, our brothers uh, to, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, this is a gathering that it's like, it's like oxygen. It's like your food, your bread and butter, your, uh, uh, your, um, your vitamins and the things that you take to keep yourself healthy and to keep yourself alive, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِسْتَجِيبُ لِلَّهِ وَلِلْرَسُولِ إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ لِمَا يُحِيكُمْ Right? Uh, Isa alayhi salam used to bring people physically back to life, right? يُبْرِوا الْأَكْمَهَ وَالْأَبْرَصَ وَيُحِي الْمَوْتَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ and mashallah, we just came out of, of Rajab where the Prophet ﷺ went on Mi'raj and met Isa um, Right, and he's going to come back. Uh, and he's the one who described how Dajjal is and who he is and what I'm going to come when I come back to this world, what I'm going to do. 
uh, mashallah, you know, uh, uh, the great book of Ma'atawatara fi Nuzul Masih, that book is mashallah amazing, has all the ahadith. Um, so talking about uh, the coming of the is right around the corner. Uh, so coming to, see, to seek knowledge and to, um, uh, to be with righteous people and to uh, gain the, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's the best thing. So, so the Prophet sallallahu is saying that he is going to bring you to life. He's bringing you to a spiritual life. A lot of people are walking dead, right? I don't say that that's a movie or something, walking dead. But actually, people are walking dead. They are alive physically, but they are spiritually dead. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us, like, you know, in, in difficult times, we have these amazing spiritual uplifting, right? When people die, people don't believe in God, though, or perhaps maybe have some kind of concept of some supreme power, they don't have much to do to, to feel that comfort and that solace and that uh, uplifting spiritually. Someone died, okay, they need someone to come and make them laugh, actually. In a funeral, that's a thing, that where the, where the priest or someone is going to say something or people say something about the deceased, they have to make fun, they have to make a, some humor there. Where we we have these beautiful things to do when someone dies, that you recite Quran, you do salat al janazah, you make dua, you do isal al thawab, and all these great deals, it brings you to life, right? Uh, and it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a spiritual therapy. Sometimes people don't know what to do. If someone passed away, what should I do? You have prayer, you have reciting of the Quran, you have reciting of dhikr, you have sadaqat, you have reminder. Like we, we, it's a reminder when we see someone dying and we see someone uh, uh, who's dead and now you're going to make salat al-janazah for that person. These are the gatherings of, 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 of ihya, bringing you back to life. Um, there are a lot of people out there tonight uh, watching the Super Bowl, right? Uh, I'm not a big fan, mashallah. People who like to see it, I, I'm not against that. But for me, I, I feel like it's a waste of time uh, because I don't have any attachment to that, to that game or things that, that go on. But mashallah, Allah has blessed you and chosen you to be in this gathering, to listen to the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ, to listen to the verses of the Qur'an, to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's sa'ada. That's felicity in this world and the next. Um, and by the way, when you leave this gathering, don't start thinking about other people. They all, these are losers, and mashallah, we came back from Sheikh Hamza's class, and we're, mashallah, we came, we're the murabitun. No, we have to humble ourselves. That Allah has chosen us, alhamdulillah, for that. Alhamdulillah for that. And think good about people. Maybe perhaps they already uh, uh, are maybe praying at home, right? Or they're doing their dhikr today. They prayed their five salahs today. Always having good opinion, but always... Try to make sure that you are getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And alhamdulillah, uh, today's the second night of Sha'ban, mashallah. And Ramadan is just around the corner, uh, getting ready for that spiritual uplifting, that, that ihya, right? The specialty of Ramadan, that it has a barakah in just being in Ramadan, where you start Ramadan and suddenly you, you don't need to sleep enough uh, so much. You don't need to eat a lot. You don't need to do a lot. And mashallah, you're uplifted. So these gatherings are also very important. 
are very important. And inshallah, hopefully that you guys can always take the, the opportunity that you have, mashallah. Uh, how many of you are like for part of the any madrasa or Dawu Qasim or Dar Dar Salam or any other? Mashallah, most of mashallah. Mashallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in this place. May Allah put barakah in your shaykh and all the mashayikh and all the asatib and all the ulama and all the people who are serving the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them, bless their homes with barakah in their time, with barakah in their knowledge. Well, can I have a special request, inshallah, you just read in the sheet, inshallah? Yes, inshallah. Abdullah is the munshid. Mashallah. Mashallah. Come forward then. Al-Munshid Nisqa Murshid. MashaAllah. What is it? Come forward. I will, I will help. Come forward. S- s- sit together and then the mic at least will pick it up, inshaAllah. Bismillah. MashaAllah, Rahman, on top of being like a mountain of knowledge and uh, piety and all that other good stuff, he has a really nice voice, MashaAllah, which doesn't usually go together with all of these things, but... Here we are. <clears throat> you, maybe you can just sing it out. Just <laughs> don't look at me. He's your son, man. Inshallah. <laughs> What's your name? Abdullah. 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 Inshallah. 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 Any specific one? Any skin? Whatever you guys think you'll read really well, inshallah. Sorry, I'm looking for this. Uh, specific chapter. Uh, this is um, the, the seventh chapter of the بك خير الخلق كلهم يمام العفون ساحة سعيا وخيقه دون أين قرصهم ومن هو الآيات Yes, 
وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم وقد تمسك جميع الأنبياء بها والرسل تقديم مخدوم على خدمي وأنت تخترق السبع الطباق بها في موكب كنت فيه صاحب العالم مولاي صلي وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم حتى إذا لم تدع شأوني مستبق من الدنو ولا مرقني مستهيم حافظت كل مقام بالإضافة إذ نوديت بالرفع مثل المفرد العالم مولاي صلي وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم بشرى لنا معشر الإسلام إن لنا من العناية ركنا غير مهديم لما دعا الله داعينا بأكرم الرسل كنا أكرم الأمم مولاي صلي وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم يا صلي وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وبرياته وبعد الحمد لله a couple of things before we read uh, a little bit inshallah from the Riyadh al-Salihin so that the silsa of the darsh doesn't get interrupted uh, this is one of the things you notice we don't have like Nasheed here most weeks just because we don't have a munshid and we don't have anyone who's going to sing. So I'm going to sit here and sing on my own. And it's really interesting. The word taghani and the word inshad, both of them really mean sing in English, but they're two very different words. Taghani is like hit single pop star, like someone's going to get up like uh, James Brown and ow! And like, you know, um, it's funny. Actually, it reminds me of your father. You know, he talks about the hadith at the end of time that there's going to be music in the masajid. And he's like, it doesn't mean James Brown is going to come into the masjid. You know, but it's all these cell phones going off. And so I was like, James Brown, this man has been out of America for a very, very long time. <laughs> so taghani is that James Brown singing where you, you know, wax your vocal skills. Whereas in Shad is, it means to sing and it means to recite poetry. Why? Because verse, poetry and song are inseparable from one another. Mm. And taghani is not something that's a, good thing amongst religious people but inshad is definitely a good thing inshad was something the rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to not do it because he wasn't a poet and he was 
kept clear and free of that from his own uh, uh, from his own noble habits sallallahu alaihi wasallam so that nobody would accuse him of being a literary figure that the Quran is just fancy speech that's filled with exaggerations but he acknowledged that there is hikmah and wisdom in sha'r and the companions عنه, not only did he not discourage them from poetry rather he would encourage many of them he had a poet laureate Sayyidina uh, 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 Zayd bin uh, uh, sorry, Sayyidna Hassan bin uh, who would lampoon the shirk of the mushrikeen and he would say poetry in the defense of the Prophet and that was his gift that he had and he used it for uh, the service of Islam rather you can find the dawaween of the ash'ar of the companions Sayyidina Abu Bakr Sayyidina Ali his poetry is epic uh, uh, many of the companions, including the, the women, you can find there ashar uh, written uh, in, uh, in written in dawawin, including the mashayikh of the ummah uh, from that time until this time. This qasida burda busiri who composed it. This is not the actual burda. The actual qasida burda was the uh, Kaab bin Zuhair, the poet in Jahiliyyah who wrote bad things about the Prophet ﷺ. He accepted Islam and then he wrote a, 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 an ode in the praise of Rasulullah ﷺ. And the Rasul ﷺ gifted him, as is the, the custom amongst Islamicate cultures, not just of the Arab, but from the Shark to the Gharb. They sing usually what will happen, even in Madrasa when everyone is broke, right? Madrasa in America, you're broke, right? Madrasa in Pakistan, Pakistan is broke. And Madras in Pakistan is like really broke. Even then, they'll still get out 10 rupees out of their pocket and give the guy who sings well. Americans are conjuice. You guys are not going to do it. At any rate, uh, the point is, is what? Is that he kept those poets and he sponsored those poets and he rewarded them. So Ka'ab, he got up and he gave him his burda, his mantle, his cloak. As a, as a gift. So imagine that, right? Amongst the Sufis, the original uh, ijazah, the original sign that you received ijazah from the Shaykh was literally the khirqa that he got up and gave his cloak. So next time someone says that this is like bid'ah, like the Rasul Sallallahu did it. Uh, and so he gave him his cloak. That was the original Qasidatul Burda. The Sharafuddin Busiri, when he composed this uh, uh, poem, uh, he was had spent his life making money basically as a poet laureate. You'd write poetry in praise of like rich people and then rich people would pay him a lot. And uh, he was somewhat of a kind of a minor celebrity. And then later on in his life, he became ill and he became uh, paralyzed. And he regretted that he wasted his time, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that he was doing anything haram or whatever, but he felt like he could have done something better with his skills. He was a smart person rather than praising kings or whatever. So this was his tawbah. He wrote a, 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 a qasida in the, uh, in the praise of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he saw in a dream that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was pleased with it. And he put his cloak on him in the dream. And then when he woke up, he was cured from his paralysis. This is not just one thing that happened. Someone can say, oh, these are tall tales. This is maybe some like made up story. Tabligh Jamaat just came to town and said it and now everybody repeats it or whatever, right? But these experiences are the experiences of our civilization. 
Forget about writing a qasida about the Prophet ﷺ. Anything, anything a person does that shows love of Rasulullah ﷺ, you don't know which of your deeds uh, are going to be the reason for your salvation. And it's probably going to be one of these types of things that you do. is something simple. You don't think it's a big deal, but it's done with pure feeling, pure emotion, pure sincerity, and Allah Ta'ala accepts it. And so something happened... I was in Sacramento, uh, I just came from the airport straight here, mashallah, and I was still on time, by the way. Uh, I'm talking to you, Rami. But uh, there was an Egyptian Qadi who got up and recited some Quran, and they asked him to recite some nasheeds as well, and he read actually from the same Qasida, Burda, as well as other things. And you know, I know what it's like to not know Arabic to be a non-Arab that doesn't speak Arabic. So as a kid, mashallah, growing up, uh, you know, being really smart and knowing that like, you know, it's Quran and Sunnah and all this other stuff is made up, cultural stuff from other people and stupid and pointless. So I would, when I'd hear a nasheed, which was very rare, and right? people don't read nasheeds in the masjid anymore. If you go to his masjid, they'll read a nasheed over there. Most nasheeds, they, even in Chicago, nobody reads a nasheed in the masjid. Maybe if you're at Dar es Salaam, like every now and again, begrudgingly, you know, like, but nobody reads Nasheed. Even the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would have his companions read Ash'ar. But for whatever reason, many masajid in America, if you uh, read uh, Nasheed, which was a very normal thing, and it still is a very normal thing in the entire Muslim world, but America, for some reason, it's not. People act like someone opened a beer in the masjid or whatever. You know, even the companions of the Allah, the Sahaba of the Allah did it. So it must not be so bad, right? That's the whole idea of being a Sunni. So... Half of the people are like, you know, like getting into the, you know, jumping in, uh, you know, black belt mullah, they're chopping it up with it and getting into it. And the other half of the people are like, what's going on? I don't understand what this is. This is like, you know, like it's, maybe it's like kind of a waste of my time. I'm not here for sing song. In fact, many converts oftentimes will say, I don't, even, I don't like nasheed. Why? Because it reminds me we used to sing in church. Mm. I go by. Okay, I understand. This is a good that you separated... Islam and Christianity in your mind, a hard separation, which some of our interfaith immigrant brothers and sisters have a hard time doing, sadly. So you're well on your way. However, just because Christians do it doesn't mean it's wrong. I'll tell people, for example, Allah Ta'ala, if you want, you can forgive a person for all of their sins. Just they were they believed, and that's it. They'll go to Jannah. Allah, if you want, you can forgive a person for all of his sins, even if they don't repent. Well, that sounds like Christianity. I'm like, so? If the Christians say something that happens to be right, are we just going to not do it because they, you know, because they did it? Rather, the companions of the Allah, whom they used to do this, and every generation of mashaykh and righteous people used to do it. And don't think of it as some sort of like frou-frou, like you're okay, I'm okay. You know, there's Sufi as in like, you know, purify your heart, tell you worship Allah as if you see him, and if you don't, then know he sees you. And then there's Sufi like, let's like stand in a circle and like play the guitar and smoke weed and you're okay I'm okay and it's all peace and love and you know God can't judge me he knows what's in my heart and you know it's all equal paths to the same this, you know, it's the former it's not the latter why because these ash'ar were the ash'ar that were read by by who like if I'm saying right now you guys are going to be like what is this like little kids Yusuf Islam uh, uh, little children's like thing going on right now like I came here to learn ill. Do you know the people who sang Tala al-Badru alayna? It's those mothers who buried their sons in the ground 
and who sacrificed their lives for the love of Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And because of whose sacrifices, we, not just us, generations until Yom Al-Qiyamah will eat and drink and have happiness in both worlds. You know, it wasn't just sing-songy, uh, like that type of thing. So remember that. If you don't know Arabic, go ahead and learn it. This is one of the things I was talking to Bhai Sadiq on the way over. Our civilization is different than the civilization of the Farinja, of the non-Muslim uh, Franks of post-Roman decay. In our civilization, having good handwriting is a very manly trait. In our civilization, weeping is a manly trait. It's not a, it's not a feminine trait. In our civilization, being a person of, of, of style, speaking well, and being a literary person. In America, this is the preserve of like closet homosexuals, or nowadays, just open ones. Right? You look at the, last, the poets of the last century, many of them are just very... Uh, people who should make hustle more often. But our civilization wasn't like that. You know, who are the, the shu'ara? Definitely there are many deviant and those types of people in our civilization as well, but there are many men of God, uh, people of deen. And in fact, really the mashayikh dominated not just Arabic, but any language of any culture that would later on become Muslims. The mashayikh came in and they wrote poetry, they wrote ash'ar and literature that was better than what was there from before and is the most respected even amongst non-Muslims today. So you see the, the, the Sikh, uh, you know, these guys with the turban and stuff like that, Sasrikal, Balle Balle, you know, singing, dancing in the streets or whatever. You see them, right? Their holy book, their sacred book is essentially an anthology of spiritual poetry. The best parts of it, the part that they love the most was written by our Mashaykh. Baba Fariduddin Ganshakar is literally a Shaykh of our Silsila. And they were not, you're okay, I'm okay people. But their love for Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, their love for Allah's creation and the purity of their state was such that it affects people, and uh, people can't help but be affected by it, no matter how much of a hater they may be. And the problem is we have to generate that state, but we also have to be people of style as well, so that uh, that state can take uh, life uh, in our, uh, you know, in our in our in our daily lives in a way that's inspiring to us and beloved to Allah Taala. Inna Allah jamilun yuhibbul jamal. So write nicely. Speak nicely. Recite the Quran nicely. You don't have to sing at like, you don't have to James Brown, but you know, do what you do well. Uh, it was a difficult uh, uh, lesson for me to learn. Uh, and I'm still coping with it. But I embrace its beauty. I see what its beauty is. And uh, you know, all of us should also uh, do that as well, inshallah, whatever language it is. And like learn some ash'ar, inshallah. You know, someone's like, well, I'd rather memorize the Quran than memorize. Okay, then go memorize the Quran. Now that you're done and you know you're not going to do it, if you see some <laughs> lines of poetry that are good, it's okay if you memorize them. Not every companion that memorized a couple of lines of poetry was, uh, uh, was also hafiz of Qur'an. And uh, it's not just like you do one or the other. You can do all of it all at the same time. In fact, the more poetry you know, the more you'll actually appreciate what the Qur'an is. Because the Arabic language is more... It's more a language of nazam than it is of nathar. English is just nathar. There's no nathar. The last poet of English, as far as I can tell, is Shakespeare. It's a long time ago. People don't even understand it. And that's not even English, actually. He had to make up so many words in order to get things to fit together. Whereas what Arabic is, is the poetry. If you look in the Lisan al-Arab and things like that, when he gives the 
the proofs for you know a word meaning a particular word other than the text of the kitab and the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, all the jahili sources are all what? They're all poetry. So in that sense, Arabic is poetry first, then afterward, it's, uh, it's nothing afterward in a kind of a secondary sense in terms of just a, a lexicographical uh, evidentiary uh, uh, priority. Learn, learn, some, learn something, be a person of style, and when you say something, it should be deep and profound and true, and it should also sound cool as well. Right? Batil is the style without the substance, uh, and uh, uh, substance without style is something that you know, no nafs is inclined toward. In fact, what style is, what beauty is, it's like a metaphor, it's like the shadow of truth. It's something that, that comes with truth. Why is it people are attracted to someone beautiful? Because there's symmetry, there's balance, there's order. There are all of those qualities that you look for in the world of meaning in something in order for it to be fulfilling. And when a person has beauty physically, but they don't match it with beauty inwardly, it's type of nifaq. It's not right. Uh, but that doesn't mean that from now on we love everything ugly. Rather, the sunnah and the deen and the ideal is what is to merge both of them. And if some of you are not going to win a contest anytime soon, you know, look in the mirror, come to terms with facts. Allah tests everybody in a different way. <laughs> then through the beauty of your words and through the beauty of your deeds, you will become more attractive than many people who would be contest winners. So Allah Ta'ala give us all tawfiq. And the person Allah gives both, then that's nurun ala nur. And uh, we're, we, uh, we, we, we're happy and we celebrate that. And we thank Allah and we say, MashaAllah, Allah illa for that. Ironically, then we continue the Babu Tahrim and Nadri in Nadri Al Marat Al Ajnabiyat Al Amrad Al Hassan. See, mashallah, they were back in the day, they were uh, open minded, accepting, you know, they, everybody they included them, inclusive. And Abi Sa'id Al Khudri, Radiallahu Ta'ala, and who are in the Bi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and Qala Yakum Wal Julusafi. في الطرقات قالوا يا رسول الله ما لنا من مجلسنا بد نتحدث فيها فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فإذا أبيتم إلا المجلس فأعطوا الطريق حقه قالوا وما حق الطريق يا رسول الله قال غض البصر وكف الأذى ورد السلام والأمر بالمعروف والنهي عن المنكر متفق عليه سيدنا أبو سعيد الخضري رضي الله تعالى عنه said or narrates from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that says, "I warned you. I warn you with regards to sitting in uh, in the public pathways where people come and go." Um, they said, "O Messenger of Allah, uh, we have nowhere else to sit." And uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, um, "If you refuse to do anything except for uh, to sit in your place of gathering, uh, then give the pathway its right." They said, "What is the right of the pathway, O Messenger of Allah?" He said to lower your gaze and to withhold yourself from harming or bothering others and to repeat, to respond to people's salam and to command to that which is right and forbid that which is evil. And some background about this, uh, some background about this hadith uh, is that the Ansar they used to have places where they would gather because it was their land, it was their Medina. So people <coughs> of every tribe had a place where they would sit, uh, where they would gather and uh, just like we have this place, mashallah, alhamdulillah, we have this place if we want to have dars, we have it in a place, we don't just go have it in the street. 
but the uh, Muhajirun whom until they got settled, they had really nowhere to meet, no big place that would accommodate them or could accommodate them. Uh, and because of their poverty, amongst other cultural differences between the Muhajirun and Ansar, they would uh, they would basically that's the only place where they could gather is like public spaces, and so that's the context of this hadith. This is a, a warning as well for people who just go to the mall for fun or go to the aswak. It's not haram to go to the mall. It might be, I guess, if you're like going to rob or do something like haram there. But if you're going there for some need or necessity of yours or to go look for something or to find out about something or you know, you're going to set up your dawah table or whatever, that's one thing. But just to go to hang out, it's not a good thing. Right. What is the first thing the Prophet ﷺ said? The first sentence of the hadith is that I warn you with regards to sitting in these uh, public pathways that people walk by. And within his advice for those people who had no alternative except for to be there, uh, it was mafhum. It's understood what the reason is. Why? Because he, the first thing he said, lawyer gaze. Why? Because you're going to see a lot of haram. It will stir things inside of your heart that you want to leave dormant. Or it will dissipate and waste energies inside of your heart that you want to save for a use instead of wasting them uh, on no use at all. Uh, people who interact with people of the opposite gender, whether it's men uh, with women or women with men. Uh, uh, when they waste the energy that's supposed to be there between the affection, the energy, the spark that's supposed to be there between them and their spouses, uh, then their marriages fail. And they wonder why is it we can't get along. There was some method that Allah Ta'ala gave you because of which you would have gotten along despite your differences, but you wasted it on public spaces and public places and people who really don't mean anything to you and you don't mean anything to them. And now it's gone and now you guys are going to have a really hard time getting along with one another. And the good news is what? You can get it back by not interacting with people of the uh, opposite gender or people that you're going to waste that energy with and saving that interaction for your uh, spouse and for your uh, for your family. And so he, the first thing he said is lower your gaze, the subtext being that it's going to be really difficult to lower your gaze when you're in the pathways. Now, the title of the chapter has to do with looking at an unrelated woman or a, uh, an attractive, beardless uh, young male. But lowering your gaze is more than just that. That's like an important thing if that's a fitna for you. But it's more than just those two things. It includes also looking at dunya, because the person who sits with people who talk about real estate all the time, then they're going to start thinking about real estate. The person who sits with people who talk about cars all the time, they're going to think about what? You know, I didn't know what a Tesla was. Honest to God, like years passed by, people are driving these things around. I had no idea what it was. I didn't really care. And so one day a doctor, it was very ironic, a doctor at the masjid, uh, we, I had to go to a, a janazah. A janazah, which is where you should get the ibrah for, right, moten, like, you know, you should turn away from the dunya. He's like, Mona Saab, uh, you have ride to the graveyard? I said, I said, I was just going to go on my own. He said, why don't you ride with me? So I, being from Seattle, I'm like, great, we're going to cut back on carbon emission. You know, we're, we're going to do something good for the environment, you know. And uh, you should carpool. Did you guys carpool? You should. They're literally killing, like, Muslims for the gas, right? So, you know, be like, okay, like, Ali and Fatima, like, only one of you have to die today. Like, not both of you, right? You know, do a solid favor to your brothers and sisters uh, across the sea. Uh, 
So I was like, okay, well, I'll carpool with you. And so he takes me to his car and I'm like looking for the door, door handle and there's no door handle. And he does some, some thing with the remote, the thing like, just like, like a ninja just like pops out. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I sit in the car and uh, we take off and he's like, let me show you something. And he puts the pedal on the thing and the thing goes to like 90 miles an hour without making a noise so fast. And I'm like, what kind of car is this? He's like, it's a Tesla. <laughs> Make dua for me, Molana. This is dangerous. You know, maybe sometime I go too fast and like get an accident. I don't even know. It's you make dua for me. I'm like, shut up, man. Make dua for me. It's stupid dua for you, man. <laughs> of course, big dua, inshallah, lucky. They're good people, mashallah. But it was just, it was just a bizarre interaction, especially on the way to it. The point is, someone talks about all of these things right now. If you didn't know what it was, you'd be like, I want to see this car, right? Because we wasted time that should have been for the dars now talking about a car. So if you didn't know, now you know. If you know, you want to see it again, you'll be like, it'll remind you and whatever. Lower your gaze from those things as well. Stay away from people who talk about that stuff as well. People are like, oh, they're my family members, right? You don't have to like sit every relative of yours on, on your lap and comb their hair. You understand what I'm saying? You can just say, salam alaikum, wa alaikum salam. How are you doing? How's your mother? This, that, and the other thing. 10, 15 minutes and then get up and leave or do something else. You don't have to, I mean, you don't have to, even your parents, even if there's some element of toxicity, you don't have to say to that person, you're toxic, I hate you, I'm leaving now because you're all in the dunya. No. Just do what you render your obligations to one another, get up and leave. Because you only have one heart and uh, if you spoil it because of these things, that was your choice, don't blame it on other people. So the first thing is what? Lower your, lower your gaze from that most attractive part of the dunya and other relatively attractive parts of the dunya and then afterward <clears throat> what was the next advice uh, is to not harm one another or not harm people the idea being when you're sitting in the, the street you know you're going to take up space or you might do something you know people have bizarre habits people smoke people spit people curse they they're obnoxious they're loud uh, you know all sorts of things don't don't, don't do any of that and uh, the, the third subtext being that people, salam, that people ignore one another or they honor some people and they dishonor others or they ignore others. Um, one of the nice things to do is to say salam to people who you know and people who you don't know, which is a commandment of the Prophet wasallam. in particular the prescription for spreading love amongst people and being people who live amongst the kuffar. Uh, it's a special joy that I have going to the Muslim world and saying salam. Not everybody shares that joy when you say salam to them. And they're like, who are you again? <laughs> but go ahead and do it anyway. It has a good effect. And then uh, the subtext being that the people in the streets aren't making, um, they're not commanding to that which is right all the time. And they're not forbidding wrong things that are happening all the time either. But a person should do that. Uh, and it's harder to do outside of your space. And so there are a couple of hadith that are of the same vein. Inshallah, we'll read through all of them. And Sayyidina Abi Talhata radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Zaydin ibn Sahlin, qala, kunna qu'udan bil afniyati natahadathu fiha, faja'a Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, faqama alayna, faqala ma lakum, wali majlis al-su'udat. Ijtanibu majalis al-su'udat, faqulna, innama qa'adna li ghayri, Ma 
وردوا السلام وحسن الكلام. سيدنا أبو طلحة the stepfather of سيدنا زيد سيدنا أبو حمزة أنا سيدنا مالك رضي الله تعالى عنه who was a rich man from the Ansar رضي الله عنه and a beloved person of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he he married he converted to get married. So don't ever talk smack about somebody who uh, <laughs> oh, they just get converted to get married. Some of those people are better than better than us. So you know, and that's what I tell when people say so and so just converted to get married. I'm like, what? You became Muslim because uh, of your love of like righteousness and because uh, you studied every religion in complete detail. <laughs> Islam seemed to make more sense to you. No, Allah Taala brought a person in just like He brought us in. Don't ever judge a person. See, we were sitting in the, uh, uh, the, 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 the courtyards speaking and the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came and he stood over us and he said, why is it that you're in, uh, uh, in the, why are you sitting in the pathways? Why is your, your place of gathering in, in the pathways? He said, stay away from uh, sitting and, and gathering in, in pathways. Uh, and we said, we didn't uh, sit here for any bad reason. We were just sitting and uh, reminding one another and uh, speaking to one another. And so the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, if, you're, if you can't avoid it, uh, then give, give the pathways their right, which is to lower your gaze and to respond to salam and to uh, speak, uh, speak good words. One said that Jarir radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala sa'altu Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam anin al fuja'ati faqala israf basarak Rawahu Muslim. Sayyidina Jarir radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Ibn Abdullahi, he narrated that I asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what should we do if a person is like, sees some sees someone that they shouldn't be looking at? Uh, it just happens like all of a sudden, something that they cannot control. So he said, look away. This is a very deceptively simple sentence, but this is essentially at the end of the day, we live in a, an era where um, the, the vision is assaulted. It's like an attack that happens in the spiritual realm. It's not like it is an attack that happens in the spiritual realm. It is a part of shaitan's warfare that frankly seems to be winning or at least have the upper hand, so you have to fight a little harder in order to survive. And so, Staji Malana Hassan, you ever met him? My, my one, one time, mashallah. Yeah, so you know, he, he, he says this in Bayan again and again. He gets, he has a majlis in which people ask questions, and the questions are wild sometimes. But one of the questions he gets uh, again and again what do we do? How do, I, how do I save myself from looking at things that I'm not supposed to look at? He says, There's only one solution to this problem is that when you see something you're not supposed to be looking at, gather your courage and your heart and just look away. Just tell yourself, look, this is my choice. I have to do it. It's going to suck. It's going to be bitter. It's going to feel bad. It's going to feel whatever. Just gather your, your courage and look away. Well, I failed the last, like, t- a thousand times I tried that. Well, next time you have another choice. So gather some courage in your heart. G- gather some himma in your heart uh, and look away. And uh, if you fall off the horse, you know, then do better next time. That's the only thing you can do. And this is what the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. He said, just, just look, look at something else. And Ummi Salamata radiallahu ta'ala anha qaat, kuntu inda Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa indahu maymuna faqbala ibnu Ummi Maktumin wa dhalaka ba'da an umirna bil hijabi faqala Nabiya Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam ihtajiba minhu 
فقلنا يا رسول الله أليس هو أعمى لا يبصرنا لا يبصرنا ولا يعرفنا فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عفا عمياني أنتما ألاستما تبصرانه عمياني عفوان اسم الله تعالى شيخ for my aid and assistance ما شاء الله Allah Ta'ala reward him and give him long life and happiness in both worlds. Uh, narrated Rawahu Abu Dawood Abu Tirmidhi wa qal hadithun hasan and sahih. Sayyidah Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha, she said that uh, I was with the Umm al-Mu'mineen, the mother of the believers. She said I was with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he was with Maymuna, the uh, mother of the believers. And uh, uh, Ibn Ummi Maktoum. Uh, a well-known companion who was one of the Muaddinin of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who was blind uh, uh, he, uh, he came and this was after the commandment for hijab uh, so he entered and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he told them, you know, screen yourselves from him and so he said, oh Messenger of Allah isn't he blind, he doesn't see us and he doesn't even know we're here and uh, he doesn't recognize who, you know, who we are even and so the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, what, are you too blind? Uh, don't you see him? Meaning what? Hijab is a both way obligation. It's a good reminder for us. It's a good reminder for our, uh, for the ladies as well. Equality. Equality. Which is what? Oftentimes, right? There's like little gender wars that happen. So somebody, somebody usually... Because this is the way biology works, even though we protest that men and women are exactly the same, but they're not. You know, they're equal and under the law, and like Allah Ta'ala, you know, everyone is a spirit and all this. So there's some types of equality. Everyone's a human being, everyone has rights, you know, everyone has dignity and worth or whatever, right? Everyone, their level of the law is based on this. So there's a lot of stuff that's equal, but not everything's equal. So usually what ends up happening, uh, a woman will not uh, cover properly, and then a man will say something to her, and then she'll be like, well, you know, lawyer gaze. And uh, it becomes this kind of like weird uh, religious people judgmental Mexican standoff in which there's no Mexicans involved, unless there's, I guess, Mexicans involved. But uh, uh, and that's that. Uh, yes. And because that's usually the direction in which the dynamic occurs, if a woman looks at a man that she's not supposed to, I'm told that women find uh, men attractive too. But usually because of the nature of that dynamic, like they're not going to get called out, they're not going to get caught. And in that sense, in that sense, it's actually, some in some sense is more perilous for a man because a man is maybe strong, maybe bench press 300 pounds and deadlift, you know, 500 pounds and all this other stuff. But uh, a man is co- completely pathetic and weak in front of a beautiful woman because that's usually the dynamic what ends up happening is that uh, men get shackled with all the, the, the kind of the, the, the blame for these types of things. Whereas for a woman, because of, again, those basic biological and those basic physiological and those basic psychological realities, the door to commit haram for a woman is much more open than it is for a man. The attraction is not as strong average by average. So in some, you know, you have a distribution of people the average in the distribution for women is a little bit downfield. The shahawat are a little bit cooler for, for women than they are for men in many circumstances, maybe not even all circumstances. But the opportunity for women is far more perilous, whereas there's 100 men within like a like 75-foot radius that would 
do anything and everything that's haram if they only had the opportunity. Whereas the opportunity is open for the, 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 the women much easier. And so also they should not fool themselves with regards to this. Uh, they should protect themselves uh, from this thing uh, and uh, not, not fall prey to it just like men also should. Uh, lower their gaze and not uh, uh, and not uh, uh, you know sit and look at everything that uh, makes them feel a certain way. And if you're a man, and on top of that you have uh, no crisis of opportunity, uh, may the Lord help you. This is why Sayyidina Yusuf Alayhisam was a nabi. Uh, it's you know these are real things. If you take it as a joke or if you dismiss it, uh, do so at your own own peril. When Sayyidina Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala la yandhuru rajulu ila awrati al-rajuli wa lal-mar'atu ila awrati al-mar'ati wa la yufdhir rajulu ila al-rajuli fi thawbin wahidin wa la tufdhil mar'atu ila al-mar'ati fi thawbin wahid Ruahu Muslim Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that a man should not look at the nakedness of another man Hmm. Nor should a woman look at the nakedness of another woman, nor should a man uh, uh, be under the covers uh, uh, without any barrier between his body and the body of another man, uh, uh, and nor should a woman be under the covers uh, without any barrier between her body and the body of another woman. And uh, this uh, is a, an indication also that just because it's the same gender, uh, it doesn't mean that you're absent of peril. Obviously, because of our alphabet community now, uh, that, that's kind of taken on a more new and immediate reality. Uh, but amongst people who are not afflicted by those attractions, still there's something wrong uh, with, with showing your nakedness to another person. It's a longer discussion, which we will dispense with at this point. But suffice to say that everybody should keep their dignity. Wearing clothes is an angelic sunnah. You know, people say this, they say, oh, so, you know, very famous people, well-known people, people I in general, have a good opinion of. But in this one thing, I have very rigorous disagreement with. They say, oh, if the Prophet ﷺ was alive today, he would wear the dress of his qawm. And the sunnah is to wear the dress of your qawm. And so he, a'udhu billahi, heard he would have worn a suit and tie. And I just felt like, uh, uh, you know, cracking him in the head really hard. Uh, but I know he didn't mean uh, what it sounded like to me. So I didn't. But uh, I, I disagree with that. Right? The angels... The angels wear clothes. What do the angels also like wear a suit and tie when they go to New York or like they're not from New York, right? Or all the do all the angels dress like Arabs and they're racist. It's Arab supremacy. So there's I feel like there's something a little bit missing from that discourse. But pulling back from that particular angle in that discourse, um, the angels wear clothes. There are some human beings that you know, literally make a living and make themselves famous by walking around without clothes on. Mm. Um, such people, they're shabih, the people that they should associate with or the organisms they should associate with that are most close like to them is the zoo because there are also naked bodies in the zoo that uh, people pay money to see as well. Whereas uh, the Muslims, uh, even though we're murakab between Bahimiya and between Malakiya, but you should honor and try to identify with uh, with honor and with dignity, your angelic, uh, your angelic component, uh, and so don't walk around looking like uh, don't walk around looking like a primate. Um, don't walk around looking like a primate. Rather, uh, embrace your angelic nature as well. The primate nature will have times to express itself, uh, mostly in the privacy of your own home 
or you know between you and your spouse or whatever. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Inshallah, there will be a couple of chapters that are related to this, and so we'll mention some other things later about it. Sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.